When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. And welcome once again to another edition of Strange Planet. Regular listeners to this podcast uh, are well aware that um, my lovely bride, the mighty Aphrodite, is Greek. My children are half Greek. Greece is kind of a second home. I love it there. I love the culture. I love the food. And so when the subject of owls comes up, that's near and dear to us because, of course, the owl is the symbol of Athena, Athens. And, of course, was also the uh, the symbol of the Greek goddess, Athena. Uh, and plus, we just love owls. Uh, what's not to love? These amazing creatures. But uh, throughout history and across so many different cultures, owls have been uh, held in high regard. Uh, they are regarded with both fascination, awe, fear. Uh, many cultures have sort of contradictory beliefs about them. They've been as I say, feared, they've been venerated, they've been despised, they've been admired, they've been considered wise and foolish. Uh, my next guest uh, has found a fascinating interconnection between owls and the paranormal, UFOs, the afterlife, uh, the alien abduction experience, and more. And it's a great pleasure to welcome Mike Clell into the program, an avid outdoorsman, illustrator, UFO researcher. He's written extensively uh, on the subject of alien abduction, synchronicities and owls. And it was his firsthand experiences with these elusive events that have been the foundation for his research. His website, Hidden Experience, explores these events and their connections to the alien contact phenomena. This site also features over 200 hours of audio interviews with visionaries and experts examining the complexities of the overall UFO experience, and has, he is the author of uh, several books, uh, including 
the um, the messengers, owl synchronicity, and the UFO abductee. Stories from the messengers, accounts of owls, UFOs, and a deeper reality, and hidden experience, a memoir of owl synchronicity and UFO contact. Michael Cleland, welcome. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's an honor to be here. So, um, you had an interesting encounter um, with owls. You were with a, a camping companion. I think this goes back, what, maybe 15, 16 years? About 16 years, yeah. Yeah. And that kind of launched this whole area of research for you. Um, what happened? So 16 years ago, I'm 60 now. At the time, I would have been 44. And I was I was living out west in uh, right near Grand Teton National Park. So big, beautiful place. And there was a woman who had spent the summer in town. And I met her. She was working at the office I worked at. I, I worked for an outdoor school. And so I was camping all the time. Camped all summer. And I'd been up in Alaska that summer. So I came back to, to um, Teton Valley, which is just on the other side of the Tetons from Jackson Hole. And uh, I had a conversation with this young woman and she was, I said, hey, boy, you've been here all summer. You must've gone camping a lot. And she said, no, I didn't camp once. So I said, oh, I'll take you camping. So we went out for one night and it was, it was, uh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure it was either September or October, but it was um, just one of those beautiful, nights and we left to go camping out in the mountains like after lunch sometime and it was it was we, we there's a the weather was going to be perfect so we didn't take a shelter we were just going to plan on sleeping outside and so this was odd this was sort of a first date in a weird way mm -hmm. and and i'm still very close to in fact i just texted her just this morning Kristen, and um so we we're having a conversation as the sun was setting. This conversation plays into it in a, little, in a little bit, but I was struck, like she said something that really impressed me. Like I was like, oh, this is a complete stranger, but wow, I'm impressed. This is a, there's a depth to her and an intellect and a spirituality and it hit me right in this. So as this was happening, one owl flew over us, a second owl flew over us, and then a third owl flew over us. And these owls flew around us and landed near us, and 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 we um, we eventually laid down to go to sleep, and so we just set our sleeping pads down on the ground under the stars. Beautiful Rocky Mountain, far north, high elevation, not as far north as you are, but pretty far north. And and uh, the um, these owls would fly right above our faces. They would go and swoop right above our faces, and in that moment, that the stars would be blocked out. So you'd be looking up at the stars and there's no noise. Owls were very silent in flight, just like whoosh, whoosh, it would be this moment of blackness. It was really cool. So cool. So the next morning we were like, wow, that was great. And I said, hey, let's go camping again. If we do this, let's, let's so four days later, we went camping again, totally different part of the mountains. Sun is setting. We're watching the sunset. This is three owls fly around us before they kind of landed off in a tree branch, kind of over there, or they'd fly a little bit high above us. Or they, these, the second time we had this owl experience, and I'm convinced they were the same three owls. We were many miles away from where we were before. I, I can't vouch for that, but, but the three owls landed at our feet. And I just remember looking at Kristen, looking at her face, and she just had this expression of just, and I was the same way. It was really magical. So to have it happen once was pretty cool. To have it happen twice 
kind of freaked me out. And I work in the outdoor industry. I asked everyone, hey, has this ever happened to you? Like owls land and like, people were like, nope, never happens to me. Nope. And, 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 th- you know, to have it happen with the same person four days later was remarkable. Now, what I didn't say when I started telling these stories, and I'm saying it now, is that when I saw those owls, both nights, real owls, these are real owls, they're about 11 inches tall and cute and did owl things. And, and we had perfect view that we are, they were right up close. We had, they were, they were right next to us. So we had, um, I had a voice in my head that said, this has something to do with the UFOs. Hmm. Now, so I'm 44 and I had kind of been reading and had an interest in UFO lore and was reading books and reading mostly about the abduction accounts in, and, and, but, and I had a series of events in my youth with missing time, with a close-up UFO sighting. And then also when I was 30, I had an experience of waking up in the middle of the night and looking out the window and there were five like classic gray aliens standing outside my window. I dismissed all of this. I wasn't going to go there. I pushed it away. No way. I'm not going there. I dismissed it. So what happened is I saw these owls, real owls. I had a voice in my head that said, this has something to do with UFOs. And I started looking into my own experiences. And at the same time, I was looking into the folklore of owls, the mythology of owls. It really, this really shook me up, this event. And so when I started looking into this, I would, I was reaching out to people. I was reaching out to researchers. I was reaching out to people who had the direct contact experience. I started a website. And uh, as I was reaching out to people, I would ask them, hey, by the way, have you ever had any odd experiences with owls? Now, it was not 100% of the people, but I would say, wow, it was enough that there was a powerful pattern. And people would say, you know, no one has ever asked me that. I have the weirdest story with, with that happened to me with an owl. So I just started collecting these stories. I started recording people. I started writing these down. I started asking people on my website. Oh, so here's, let me just jump back. So when I started my website, I started it three years after. So yeah, 2000. So I started a website in 2009 and the, the event with Kristen was in 2006. So that was three years later. Kristen had moved away. We kept in touch and I the story I just told, I put it up on my blog as a as like a post. My my site was originally just synchronicities and stories that had a, you know, kind of stories like that story I just told, which I've got a lot of stories like that. And I um I contacted her and I said, What were we talking about the very first night when we saw the very first owls? Because I remember that she was talking about something and it coincided exactly. And she said, Oh, I remember exactly what I was talking about. I was giving my deepest, most heartfelt definition of what God means to me. And now, like I'm not especially churchy or or anything like that, but I do recognize the the place, the position of the God mythology in our society. Like that is, to me, that was like a mythic symbol that showed up within the context of this owl event. And that's what I'm, so the core of my research is owls as a mythic symbol and how it relates to the majority of my research has been about UFO contact, but I, 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 owls and death. I've got a lot of death stories. I've got a lot of uh, meditation stories, people meditating. A lot of people's stories where people take mushrooms and see owls. And, and they, these stories are imbued with this kind of mythic quality to it. It's like listening to a fable 
rather than listening to a, like a real life event. Oh, you're muted. Oh, you still don't hear you. There we are. Not sure what happened. Oh, there. great. You're back. You. Great. Got it. Thank you. Uh, you. So you had to, you went out and you did this research, but I don't know, 150 years ago, you might have been able to have this conversation with our ancestors or a Native American uh, because they were so much closer to, you know, the, the lore and so forth surrounding and the stories and the oral tradition surrounding owls. What do you think uh, that conversation would have sounded like if you went asking these questions? You know, what is going on here? So I could have sat around the campfire in a village in, let's say, you know, South Dakota, and I could have asked the elders, you know, like I had a powerful experience with an owl. They may have said, so like, and so what I will also say, then I could, I could get the answer from those elders and I could go over the hill to the next village and they would have a similar, but different. So I think there's a, there's a variety of these, but the core events would be owls are symbolic of the night, right? They see in the darkness. So they're symbolic of the night. And the metaphor of the night, you turn the clock back 300 years, like you said. So we we live in a world with electric light bulbs. The night does not have the same mystique that it did to, that's not even ancient times, or just our ancestors from a few generations ago. Yeah, Pre-Edison. <laughs> yeah, Pre-Edison. It was something totally different. So the night was a place of testing. The night was a place of confronting your fears. The night was a place of 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 the unknown, the shadow. So the owl symbolizes that other realm. Owls can see into the night and consequently they can travel. So owls can fly through the forest in complete darkness. Our ancestors knew, knew that just the same way we know that. That must have seemed remarkable. We can now say, oh, they have evolutionary skills that they've developed you know, after a millennia and they, they have just eyes eyes that are especially suited to seeing in low light so but that what they are doing is essentially magic they are flying through the forest at night what that implies is that they can travel into that mythic realm of the forest at night and meet with the ancestors meet with the gods meet with the dead they could travel to that other realm symbolically and then they would return with a message. So I get I get letters all the time. And when I was had to pick a name for the book, I saw a pattern right in the in the letters. People would say, you know, the owl showed up, it landed on my fence post in the backyard at this really important moment. And then the, then they would just talk about these powerful events. And then they would refer back to the owl as and the messenger on the fence post. They would just drop the word owl and they just would call it the messenger. So that that became it was easy to title the book the messengers because of that so people would just drop right into that mythic lore in their own storytelling they would just instead of calling it an owl they would say a right. messenger right i'm sure joseph campbell had lots to say about owls very little i found really? almost nothing that he's I've, i searched hard yeah joseph campbell young didn't say much about owls either but um and, and uh, neither just other people have um um, the uh, John Mack, the, the professor yes. of psychiatry, at, Harvard, he wrote yeah extensively about the owls and their their connection to UFO contact. So, so I I love what you were saying about you know this this symbolic 
connection between owls and the the netherworld and and so forth and our ancestors. But what about the literal connection? I mean, what's going on there? What what are they if they're messengers? Uh, what are they bringing to us? What are they hoping to impart to us? What do, what do we glean from these encounters with owls? Okay, so that's a great question, and that's so. I, if you take my, I got three books about owls and UFOs. You stack them up on one on top of each other. Three books. It's about a thousand pages, and I, I can't answer that question. I can dance around it. I can sort of answer it, but I, I cannot give you an answer to why owls. What's it mean? What's the literal meaning? I can dance around the symbolic meaning, but so my first thing I would say: the owls are. It is there. It wake up. They, the owl is an alarm clock. It is saying, wake up. And then, um, oh, let me just tell a quick story. So this woman contacts me and she had had a lifetime of UFO contact experiences and she was very, very stressed out and dealing with it when she was, she moved to a town specifically so she could have a meet with the, like a UFO support group. And um, this was in the Western, on the Pacific coast in the North. And she would walk her dog on this long jetty that went out into the salt water. And so one day it was pouring down rain and the dog wanted to go out and she was walking the dog. Now she never would go out in the pouring rain, right? So she's walking the dog in the pouring rain and she gets all the way to the end of the jetty and she goes, what am I doing here? Why did I come out in the pouring down rain? She turns around and there's a, there is a owl facing her on the jetty. And the dog, her dog is very high strung. And she said, my dog like should have barked and chased this thing. The dog sat down like it was confronting royalty. So she, she, this owl, they stare at each other. And there's this magical moment, the owl flies off. And then not long after she was diagnosed with cancer and she opted to take traditional just chemotherapy and she said she said she was right at the edge of death and that that and she survived and i think it's now 20 years or so now she's been cancer free so i said do you think the owl is connected to the cancer and she said the owl wasn't connected to the cancer the owl was telling me this is her words the owl was telling me your life is about to get challenging so that would be one of my other things. The owls represent a challenge. So the question I ask people, what was going on in your life leading up to the event? What changed after the event? What was going on in her life leading up to the event was she was terrified. She was scared. She was having UFO contact experiences. She was frightened. She said, I was scared of my own shadow. After this, after going to the edge of death and beating cancer, I said, so what happened after? She said, I am afraid of nothing. So there's a symbolic story. It took a minute or so to tell that story, but there's a symbolic story that encapsulates one aspect of this richer mystery where the, the owl would represent a challenge. And I feel strongly that that challenge doesn't mean it's bad, right? So challenge means hard work, but there's often great benefits from persevering in the face of a challenge. Mike, we'll take a quick time out, come back and delve further into uh, owls. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's time to redefine reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. And we're back with Mike Cleland, illustrator, UFO researcher, avid outdoorsman, and uh, the books... The Messengers, Owl Synchronicity and the UFO Abductee, Stories from the Messengers, Accounts of Owls, UFOs, and a Deeper Reality, and Hidden Experience, a Memoir of Owl Synchronicity and UFO Contact. Um, do you have, you have memories of missing, memories of missing time. <laughs> memories <laughs> of missing time. Um, I have memories of my parents being angry at me for coming home late when I was darn sure i was home on time so yeah and also memories of, of looking out your window and seeing was it five sort of five grays i guess were they grays the classic textbook yeah. grays yeah yeah um how do you what is the connection between those um encounters experiences and owls i mean do you now with do you remember an owl being present? Not, no, not for any of those events. I've had other events where owls have been present. Um, but so, Ooh, I, I, in, I, I'm at a point now where I recognize the owl is symbolic of what I have been calling a highly charged human experience. So uh, seeing a UFO is definitely a highly charged human experience, but so is a powerful synchronicity. So is the death of someone close to you. Most often a parent, a lot of owl experiences where a parent or a very close friend dies. So that's a that's a life-changing human experience. Um, shamanic initiation shows up as with owls. So that's well understood. There's still shamans, there's still people being initiated into a to a lineage of shamans in in uh what you know native tribes as well as um in a more westernized format. It is well understood that owls show up around the time of of the initiation process of a shaman. So these are all powerful human events. Um, so how does it intertwine with the UFO contact experience? One way to say it is it's just one of a series of highly charged experiences. I can say um, that I'm trying to, I, what the best way for me to do this would be to tell a story. And the problem is some stories are so long. Let me just think for a second. So if the, time. Yeah. If the owl is connected to the UFO experience. So here, I'll tell you one story. This happened to me personally. I was camping in the desert in Southern Utah. There's a place called the Burr Trail Road. It's this, it's this famous primitive road that connects these very two small towns and goes through this remarkable part of Southern Utah. And, um, I was with a friend, her name is Natasha, and she's from Germany, and we had done a long drive, and we were just camping out under the stars. There's a kind of a theme here in my stories, a lot of sleeping outside. And um, so we're camping under the stars, and Natasha was jet lagged, 
and I had been driving all day, so I was tired. This is a very remote, empty, beautiful spot. And so she says, what do I do? I'm, I'm jet lagged. And what do I, what can I do? And I said, go walk under the stars. It's a beautiful night. So she left and she said, the night was so beautiful. She didn't need a flashlight. There was no moon and the starlight was bright enough that she could walk on this, this asphalt road. And she said, it felt like I was sparkling. Like it was so magical. She said, it felt like I was sparkling. Now I'm lying in the spot on the, uh, you know, just by our car. And as I'm lying there, there is an owl hooting near my head. It's a great horned owl. It's in this bush. It's hooting near my head. I've never been that close to a hooting owl. Loud, booming, calm desert night, just magical. She's not more than a few hundred yards away walking on this road. She's walking along. She sees uh, what she thinks is someone with a flashlight. Someone's got a flashlight off in the sagebrush, off in the, and then the, the light kind of starts to float. And then it gets really big, like the size of a beach ball. And then poof, it disappears. And she realized she was seeing some sort of floating orb. In there was nobody there. She's seeing some sort of floating orb. It got really big and poof, it exploded and kind of vanished. And so she runs back and wakes me up and says like, Mike, Mike, we got to leave. And I'm like, what's up? And she explains that I just saw this thing and now I'm scared and now I was scared. So we packed up the car and drove away. Now, I was listening to an owl simultaneous with her seeing a, a UFO, right? So it's a unidentified object that's flying, this floating orb. And when you, when you, this this story is connected to two other stories on a map, like they line up on a map over years, and it took me. It was a, it's a, it's the culmination of one of my books where I discuss this in detail how I put that event and this other event tied up to a map, to a map. Now, so there's a, so so there's a that similar to so many accounts, they're tied to other things, they're overlapping with other things. So it's very tough to tell a story without getting pulled astray on these other things. So owl and UFO, same night, you know, and that was, that happened to me. And I was already well, you know, well immersed in the research when this happened. So it was particularly highly charged because I was like, well, this is it. This is, this is what I research and here it happened to me. So. Wow. Remarkable. Um, Whitley Strieber uh, is a fan of your work. Uh, he's been on the program, the author of Communion, and obviously a lifelong experiencer. Mm -hmm. um, what did what does he make of the? Uh, does he have an owl story? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, oh gosh, yeah, yeah. He, so I actually went so in the book Communion. Uh, that was the book that that was the book that altered the definition, our pop culture definition of what UFO contact means. Right. So that book changed public zeitgeist i, I I'm, I'm doing this i think on page 24 of that book he, he talks about an event because i footnoted it many times uh it might be so he talks about an event where it was the evening of christmas day so it's christmas day it wasn't christmas eve it was the evening of christmas day so on the night of the 25th so here's another highly charged day in in like the calendar uh he 
had that event that became the core of the mystery of the communion story. That's with a gray alien with the big black eyes. And he had he woke up and when he woke up in the morning, he told his wife, said there was a there was an owl on the windowsill. So he didn't say I was abducted by aliens. He said there was an owl on the windowsill. And then these other memories emerged. And so it was wintertime. It was in upstate New York. There was snow and there was the windowsill had snow on it. And then the ledge of the window below the window, there was fresh snow. The snow had been there. There was no footprints. There was no markings that an owl had been there. And it's written in the story. I'm going to paraphrase it poorly. He's a very poetic, beautiful writer. He said, when I saw there was, I saw an owl on that windowsill last night. When I saw there was no footprints in the snow, basically my blood ran cold because I knew something else had happened. And I will say also, he, so Whitley's written a lot of books on the subject. I went through, got all his books and did a word search for the word owl. And then I put it all in a, on my blog. I list just, it's these good chunks. And so there's about, it would be about eight typewritten pages of Whitley writing about owls. Now he does something that I wish I could do. He writes beautifully and succinctly and poetically. And, um, but basically you could read those eight pages and he, he's essentially describing the same mystery. Whitley says something that I, I like, and I don't want to use it because it's almost, it's his. He says that the owls are speaking to us in a new language, in a, they are, that the owl experience is a form of language. That is, it is a form of communication. I'm saying that the owls are messengers. We're essentially saying the same thing using just slightly nuanced vocabulary words. Did your work help him make any of those connections? No, but his work helped me make those connections. So he came first. I did not discover the owl thing as far as being part of the UFO lore. I'm the one who like, like, took the deep dive and got all obsessed about it and 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 wrote so much about it. And the reason I, I got to say, the reason I took the deep dive and got so obsessed was because I, when I do a talk like this, or when I talk from a stage or what or my blog posts, or when I will ask, you know, please, if you have an owl story, contact me. I'm easy to contact. You can Google UFO owl. I'm the first thing that comes up. So if anyone, anywhere in the world, they don't have to have, they don't know, have to know who I am. If they have a weird experience with a UFO and an owl, it's, it's the internet era now. They just get on Google. They type in UFO owl. What does this mean? My name is the first thing that comes up right on the first page. It says, I want to hear your owl stories. I get, I get roughly one good owl story a day. And that's been going on for a decade or more. That's remarkable. So it's so I am I am like I am so hyper focused. I'm like looking at this thin little layer in this giant like the UFO lore in the UFO literature is like this this like you know where do you back the truck up to like try to make sense of this thing? So and I'm looking at the narrowest sliver. And when I I, I wrote an essay back in 2014. 2013. And I figured, ah, I'll like write a little, you know, magazine length article and I'll be done with this and move on. That was a decade ago now. So, so I, I, uh, what I found is, is that pulling on this one little thread, the owls, it has been so rewarding. It has been so rich. 
And so I use the term that mythic language or that 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 mythic power or that archetypal power that that is in is interwoven into these stories. That is has always I've always been drawn to that. So it this is I'm I'm not saying this is true, but I'll tell you it feels like this. It feels like that was in my personality to be to be drawn to those kind of mythic stories. The universe gave me a powerful set of owl experiences, right? So I had a message, the messenger. I'm looking at a real owl, little 11-inch owl on the ground. Voice in my head says, this has something to do with UFOs. I start pulling on that thread, asking for owl stories, and it has been what it has been unrelenting. Well, it's that, that makes it sound negative. It has been remarkable, the, the, the power and the beauty of the, some of the stories I've been receiving. Another time out, Mike, back in a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. We're now crossing a zone of turbulence. Please return your seats and food trays to their upright position and make sure your carry-on luggage is safely stowed. You're about to leave everything you know behind. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Strange Planet. We're back with Mike Cleland. Did different owls uh, bring different messages? Um, so, for example, I think like a um, a writer like Woodsworth, he 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 talked about you know barn owls, and it was the the owl of doom. Um, do snowy owls mean something else? Do do long-eared owls mean something else? I have found very little evidence of that. So a big owl is impressive. A little owl is 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 less impressive in a way. But I have found no evidence of the type of owl. What I have found is in some Native American lore, a white owl is symbolic of a spiritual event. So that would either be a barn owl or a or a snowy owl. That's the only two North American white owls we have. And a um, a brown owl would be symbolic of more pragmatic day-to-day life issues. So that's as much as I can say about the type of owl. And I'm at the point now where I'm I'm totally content with an owl story. If like someone has a powerful experience where in conversation they're having a, a powerful conversation and someone walks by with an owl t-shirt. Like I I that's to me counts just as much. We're in a world right now where it's not like people can't go out and f- have a real owl experience sometimes. So I'm totally open to the symbolic experience of an owl showing up in a t-shirt, in a TV commercial, or, you know, that kind of thing, you know, in the grocery store aisle on some cereal box or something like that. If it happens at an appropriate moment, right? So if there's a powerful event, right? So people see owls all the time. They're in the woods, they're in the forest. If it's it's just a normal owl, I'm that's that's a nice sighting and all. I'm more interested was when they're connected to a powerful event. Right, right. Um, I mean, I've had, I guess, literal encounters with owls. I don't know that they've, I'm trying to remember if they've been attached. I guess I would know, I would remember immediately. I would know immediately if there was, they were attached to something symbolic. But um, I grew up in a medium-sized town about an hour and a half from Toronto. And uh, across the street was a like a hundred acre park, Mohawk Park. Mm-hmm. And this was the talk of the neighborhood when I was I guess in middle school, when a 
uh, a pair of snowy owls took up residence in the park. Mm-hmm. We'd never seen such a thing. I mean, I always associate snowy owls with the far north, but this, these beautiful breeding pair and um, just maybe 50 yards from our house inside the park, uh, right on a trail that we would cut through to go to school. And underneath the, uh, underneath their nest was a, like a bone castle of squirrel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I, 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 I remember that a lot. I, I think about that a lot. And I don't know what it portend portends or what it, the connection was to anything else in my life other than just, just wonder, you know, and uh, the magnificence of nature and so forth and predator and prey and, and, uh, and uh, the, all the, uh, the crows uh, had left the park like overnight and mm-hmm. for an entire season. There were no crows anymore. We used to wake up to the sound of crows until the snowy owls moved in. Um, do you have, regular encounters with owls um i mean are, you're still an avid outdoorsman i take it i mean mm-hmm. i live in a place with a lot of owls i hear them every night it's funny so the neighbors obviously i yeah. mean there's big i live in the pacific northwest right outside of seattle so there's big trees and lots of owls every night and i see them a lot i get pictures of them and i kind of see them probably more i'm looking for them like i'm totally looking for them so so i like if I hear an owl, I'll walk in the yard and see if I can find it. And and there's a park right across the street. And over the last couple of years, I've gotten a handful of pictures of owls. They're just phone, you know, cell phone pictures. But um, so I'm, I I would argue that I'm seeing them more than most people, but I'm looking. For right, them. right. And for you, is it ever just kind of a, just a normal, normal encounter? Or are you always, when you see an owl now, are you always trying to figure out, okay, what is this trying, what is he trying to tell me? <laughs> or what is going on in my life? Are you making tr- I'm tr- those connections? Yeah. I'm trying to make those connections. And then I'm, sometimes I realize I'm forcing it. And sometimes it's just a pretty owl on a you know summer evening. And I don't try to overthink it if I don't sense there's anything there. So yeah, that's a tough one. Because wow, I, like what happens to me is like, here's what happens is I walk down the street with someone and they know they like, they're like, oh my gosh, you're the owl guy. And, and then all of a sudden they're everywhere, right? They're like, oh, look, there's an owl on the calendar in that window in the store. And they're like, oh, they got someone has an owl t-shirt on. And like, there's an owl bumper sticker. What does it mean? I'm like, oh, be careful. Like, like <laughs> I went down that road and made myself crazy. And, and I'm much more at peace with it now. So I, so I'm much more tapped into when the owl might be a more of a symbolic totem for a, for a powerful event. I'm just getting back to owls and the ufo connection for a moment and or the abduction uh phenomenon is there do you think it's possible that the owl uh that is seen um in connection with the ufo or an et might be some kind of a a cover memory mm-hmm. oh yeah words, instead of seeing a gray alien you're seeing the owl Absolutely. Yeah. I, I cover this early on in my first book and I, I have a, so here's the, I, uh, people, this is very common. People will drive, be driving at night and they'll see a owl on the road and they'll say, I pull the cars. Do you know Dolores Cannon? The, the yes. woman Dolores Cannon. Yeah. So Dolores Cannon in her book, the custodians wrote about it and I've talked to her, her children. Um, she had already passed by the time I was immersed in the research, but, uh, so I talked to her daughters. So she was driving down the road. She lived, grew up in, she was living in Arkansas and she, so here's, 
she was coming home from a meeting. This is what I been think in the 1980s. She was coming home from a meeting. She worked at a counseling center and there was a group of therapists there and they were kind of, you know, meeting together and sizing up and how they were going to take on the next, you know, batch of work and things like that. And she said, like, you know, I've been do in doing this hypnosis work. She was doing straight up hypnosis work, you know, weight reduction, stress reduction, quitting smoking, family therapy type stuff. She was a family therapist. So she said, you know what's happening when I, these people are talking about UFOs when I hypnotize them. And then the staff was saying, well, what are you going to do about that? And it's like, well, either I go down that road or I don't. Right. So, so she's driving home that night after having that meeting, basically saying, I need to decide, like, am I going to go down that road? So she's driving home and there's a big owl in the road. She's driving a truck. She pulls right up to the owl and the owl's head is looking at her over the hood of the truck. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, like you get the, you get the smallest car and the biggest owl in the whole world. Yeah. And the owl ain't going to be able to look over the hood of the truck. No. So the owl's looking over the hood of the truck. And so she goes in, the owl flies and it leads her to a house. So it lands in the road and she pulls up to it. It flies down the road and she pulls up to it. So it happens multiple times. And then it waits for her as she goes into her driveway. And she tells her son like, oh, I had to, saw this owl in the road. It was four feet tall. And she's like, mom, there's no such thing as a four foot tall owl, which there isn't. And, but that's what gets reported. She later has in her telling of the story, she went to, a, she was giving a talk in London and she went to the London Natural History Museum and they had a big display of all the world's owls, every owl in the world in big class cases. And she like walked this long hallway and went, looked at the, every, and she, she said, there's no, that whatever I saw wasn't an owl. So the question I asked people, what was happening leading up to the event? What happened after? What happened leading up to Dolores Cannon's event of seeing an owl. Then that night, she said, I have to make a decision. Am I going to go down this road and look into this UFO thing? And obviously, she went down that road. What happened after? Yes, her life changed. She went down that road. So that's a that's a textbook example. Um, uh, I'm good friends with a woman, and she was at a 16-year-old. She was working as an outdoor counselor for the Girl Scouts doing backcountry camping in the Pacific Northwest uh, in Oregon, I think. So she's in the woods, deep in the woods with a team of girls. And the way it was set up, there was a one campsite was over here and one campsite was over there. And they, and then there was a little trail between the two. And they, they're just the way the woods were, they couldn't all camp together. So she was walking between the two campsites. She, at this point in her life, was well aware that she was having contact experiences, but they'd always occurred at night. And and so she, she was full daylight, bright sunshine, Walking down this trail, on the side of the trail is a gray alien standing there. Mm. Bright sunshine, big black eyes. It was like in the bright sunshine, it was like chalky white. And she's a wonderful storyteller. I'm trying to do her story justice. She said she looked at that owl and and it was, and there was like, excuse me, she looked at that alien, the gray alien with the big black eyes. By all accounts, all communication with these beings is telepathic. I've talked to hundreds of people. I've never heard anyone say they saw the alien's lips move and heard a voice come out of it. Mm -hmm. It's always just internal right into the brain. She looks at this gray being rocketing into her brain is this kind of, she's called like an echo chamber. She was, she basically heard owl, 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 owl. And she watched this gray alien morph into a four foot tall owl. And then it turned around and walked into the woods. Mm. <laughs> so there's a there's like and I have a couple of, of accounts where people have seen 
what would be called a screen memory like show up oftentimes so the two top screen memories are owls and deer which are both the kind of thing you would see at night right so you would right. see a deer at night you would see an owl at night and there's other things too there's um raccoons squirrels oftentimes people see four foot tall squirrels that's surprisingly common um clowns <laughs> firemen jesus shows up dead relatives show up so but the by far the two are ufos and all so if you talk to a ufo researcher like i talked to bud hopkins when he was still alive and and i said hey what do you get a lot of owls in your reports and he said oh we get owls all the time and it's in the context of the screen memories so you hear the story of someone seeing an owl on the road a four foot tall. Once you hear that story 500 times or something, I'm exaggerating. I probably haven't heard quite that many, but it's close. Um, you, you have to, you have to wonder like what's really happening. So is the, is so my, I I'm speculating. I don't know. I asked Bud Hopkins, who is a famous UFO abduction researcher. Why did they see the owls? And he, he says, well, the owls just sort of look like the gray aliens, right? They got the big black eyes that you see them at night. They're kind of spooky. They'd kind of look like owls. Well, the deer don't really look like owls. And the, you know, so I would argue that the, the owls are showing up there. The, the aliens are choosing the owl as a symbolic archetype. That, that that's a nice avenue of thought it opens up a lot of doors. I can't prove it's true, but I, I personally like that avenue of thought. Again, it doesn't make it true. So I, I, when I'm speculating, I want you to know for sure that I'm speculating. So, so you're, you're receiving um, communication from someone on the average of one a day that have these profound experiences, encounters with owls. Can you, can you, uh, this is a tall order. I understand it's like asking someone, you know, what's your favorite food or whatever, but is there a, is there a, a story that, that you've received that just really sticks with you that I don't know, somehow is maybe different than, than all the rest. So I, when I, people contact me, what I say, and I've written this a thousand, I just, I say it over and over again. I'll hear a story that I've never heard before. And I'll say, I have never heard your story before. I'll type back or I'll talk to people, but it, but your story has the same flavor or mood of other stories that I'm hearing. Um, so here's one that I just heard recently. And this woman gave me permission to tell this story. So she's coming home from her, just pulling in the driveway at night. She's on the phone. She's talking to her father. And she pulls into the driveway and there's an owl in the driveway and it flies up into a tree. She comes out of the car. She calls her son. Get out here. There's an owl in the tree. When the son comes out, the owl flies and touches her hair. And the son is like, mom, are you okay? And she's like, oh, so gentle, so gentle. She is touched by an owl. Now, shortly thereafter, she is on a hike nearby in a little trail and she's hiking with a friend and they finish the hike and they get to the parking lot and it's these bright lights shining over she's got a picture of it it's not much to see it's like it's a little pattern of lights but she said it was like a structured set of lights passed right over them and then she said which is which i've heard before in other contexts but she said you know everything in the parking lot turned red like, like okay what do you mean it's like well the asphalt turned red all the cars turned red the trees turned red the sky turned red everything turned red for a few minutes and she got pictures she got pictures it look you know honestly it looks like someone put cellophane in front of the, the like red cellophane in front of the camera and just so it's like I, okay so that it's part of a pattern i've heard other people tell that story now 
I said, what was going on in your life at that time? She said, well, like, what was, what were you, like, what was leading up to the event? Who were you talking to? Were you talking to, what were you talking about with your dad? to say, well, I was talking to my dad about donating a kidney. And it's like, well, what's this kidney story? So this is all kind of happening simultaneously. The owl, the UFO sighting, the parking lot turning red and donating her kidney. She said, I was at my son's baseball game, little league baseball game and talking to the neighbor someone I don't really know, friend of, you know, their their son is on the baseball team. We're sitting talking at the at the little league game. And so, how are you doing? And the lady says, Oh, I'm I'm I've got an issue. I need to, I need a new kidney, or I'll die. And she says, I'll give you mine. And, and the lady says, That's nice of you to ask that, but but we're if we're not compatible, we, you well, it won't work. So you'll it's like there's a test you need to take. And the lady says, I'll take the test. So she took the test and then the doctor came out and I think I've got this right. The, the doctor said, is this your sister? And she says, no. She said, well, okay. So I was actually going to ask, is it your twin sister? You are so perfectly aligned and so perfectly. So she gave her kidney and, and she said, how, how are you doing? I'm like, great. How's the other woman? Great. And now, so there's, there is this, magical aspect like there is a selfless beautiful act mm. woven into this story now let me just go a little astray this is so do you know what reiki healing is like yes. reiki therapy energy okay yeah energy healing it's a reiki is japanese form of energy healing and reiki i think means life energy reiki i can't remember how it, but so when i talk to people here's i got this clipboard when i talk i sit on the phone Talk to people. I do it all the time. I got my pen. I got my clipboard here. And I, and the, someone says, I got a UFO and I'll story. It's complicated. It might be easier to talk. Let's okay, let's talk. I, I sometimes I don't have time for it, but if I do, I'll talk to people. And then I write in the corner. If I'm talking to someone over email, I'll make sure to ask. And I just write Reiki in the corner and I just wait. I just wait. And I, and I, they say, oh, well, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I had this owl and this UFO. And then I'm like, say, well, what do you do for work? It's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a Reiki healer. If they don't say them a Reiki healer, it's like, oh, I just got my level three Reiki certification. If they don't say that, it's like, well, I do a form of energy healing. And and so there so I'm cautious now. I'm gonna say of the so right again, I got a thin little sliver. People contacting me are the people who have seen owls and UFOs, they're finding me. And I'm gonna argue that 50% of the people who have these experiences are Reiki healers. And if they're not Reiki healers, there's some form of healer. So I didn't have to ask this lady, you know, are you a Reiki? Are you a Reiki healer? Like she gave her kidney up while wow, that, like, that is like, you don't, that's like, that's a, that's a selfless form of healing that like, I don't know if I could do it. Right. You know, so there's a, there's a, that is interwoven into the mystery in a way that like, wow, it baffles me. The number of people who are having powerful, either they are healing someone else or they are being healed or, or so this, this is, this is interwoven into the mystery. What is the connection? Uh, people that are experimenting with hallucinogenics are, or psychedelic, uh, drugs are, are having owl, owl encounters or vision. <laughs> yeah. So that, so if, 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 so it's usually people doing it in a, a, um, ceremonial way right so people doing it as part of a ritual or or not like just peyote or... well i've never had, actually i've talked to, i've never talked to people who had peyote experiences and oddly enough a little like i haven't found any 
owl and DMT experiences, but I have found a lot of owl and mushroom experiences. So a woman, friends with her, we have coffee every once in a while. She had an experience. She was, she was in um, Yellowstone National Park and she had taken ceremonially. They were, they were going to like, let's commune with nature. I mean, they were, you know, there's a little bit of party down kind of vibe to it, but they were, you know, so they took, uh, mushrooms and then they were walking through the forest and they kind of got lost and then the sun went down and then they were like had to get they were they entered a meadow and they were like these big things these big rocks in the meadow and then this owl whoosh, flies down and knocks her boyfriend's hat off and they're like they so they get their light flashlight out to find the hat and then they look point the flashlight around and they're in a field of bison the bison are all sleeping and sitting. So they're like, oh, and so they're tripping on it on mushrooms. And they're like, well, let's get out of here. So they had to, then they they eventually, so that was, and this woman, I will also add, has had a lifelong set of experiences that, wow, it's tough because UFO contact is kind of a tiny definition, right? So it implies something, but she's had like a lot of mystical, powerful experiences in her life. And some of them involve UFOs. So that would be... It, I could probably think of a good the, in the book. I have a wonderful story of a woman, and her name is Lauren. And she contacted me and talked about she was suffering terribly from alcoholism. And she was taking mushrooms in order to like to break the addiction to alcohol. And when she did, and I'm doing this from memory. It was, it is as trippy and wild as it gets that owl would, the owl would, you know, show up in her house and it was, it was communicating with her and it was showing up alongside a, a, a flying saucer. What she's describing is completely trippy, psychedelic, visionary stuff, but it's an owl and a flying saucer. She, I do not think there was an owl and flying saucer in the room with her, but during our correspondence, um, she, there came a point when I I recognized this is a powerful story. I wanted to include it in my book. So I talked to her. And when I reached out to talk to her, I said, hey, listen, like I want to have a conversation with you about including your story in my book. She said, you know, it's funny. Last night, I saw an owl, a real owl in a tree. And today I'm talking to you. And I'd never seen an owl in a tree like this. So that kind of thing, those kind of synchronicities make me feel like, like I'm on the right path. I think it's worth mentioning these these accounts, you know, like people seeing, talking to me, seeing an owl, and then sharing their story. So here's a woman who was healed. She's no longer suffering from alcoholism. And she feels like the owl experience and the formal use of psychedelics was a way to break her addiction. It gave her hope. Remarkable. It's a really powerful, beautiful story. Remarkable. I'm guessing people after listening to this podcast or, or seeing it on the YouTube channel, uh, we'll, we'll go out and have an owl experience and they'll want to get a hold of you. How do they do that? Well, the easiest way is to Google UFO owl and then I come right up and then I'm, that'll be the top of the list on the search engine. I'm about the next 25 things down. You can just type in my name, mikeclellan.com um, and I'll come right up. And uh, there, uh, my website has a, uh, a contact page where you can just reach out and, and find me. So, and I, uh, and then, um, and so the, my, the, the main place to find me is mikeclellan.com. And from there you can find the podcasts and the books and everything like that. So, and I put all the links in the, uh, the episode description so people can find it there as well. 
Mike, that was magical. We are indeed living in a magical universe. Thank you so much. Yeah, my honor. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.